Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Jeremiah 23, right? So we finished, we've been going a couple chapters at a time. We're taking one tonight. Last week we saw in chapter 22 that Jeremiah, through the Lord, was using him to speak to the kings of Judah. And he was reminding them of their unfaithfulness, how unfaithful they had been. And then here in chapter 23, he's going to begin by summarizing uh the unrighteousness of these kings, and he's going to refer to them as shepherds. Some of your Bibles may say shepherds there, the New King James. And um, God's concerned. He's, he's concerned with how his people are being treated, and especially, you know, it doesn't matter if it comes from the civil or the religious sect. Um, God is a creator of mankind. And he created us, and he he expects us not to be taking advantage of one another. So uh, political, in the political realm or the religious realm, same thing. And um, because these leaders here, just like leaders today, they have the authority over people, and people are created by him. So they're his creation. And uh, they're influencing people, you know, for good or for evil. There's this influence that we have, pastors, leaders in a church, all this, you know, uh, then you go into the kings that are out here, the kings and the kings of Israel is the same way. And you think about the children of Israel, they were in the land of Egypt, they were in bondage, they were taken out of the land of Egypt. And uh, the Lord wanted to use them to testify of his goodness. How would mankind relate to a, an almighty God? You know, uh, a lot of the nations had foreign gods, they had pagan gods, and there's always what they can do for their God. They had to prop their gods up, nail them to the ground, whatever. You know, but what their their relationship through a lot of the religions are what you can do for your God instead of what God has done for you. And then the whole the Old Testament, like the New Testament, is built on faith. The Old Testament saints were to have faith that a Messiah would come. The New Testament saints have faith that he came and that he's come, he's given us new life. And so with that, Israel coming out of Egypt, they were kind of birthed in that as a nation, again, to testify of God's goodness. But then he would set, because they would ask where they would get these kings that were to rule his people, but they weren't just to rule them according to their own ways. They were to rule his people according to their word or to his word. And in order to keep ourselves, I think of what God's going to start off here is giving the a woe to the kings, a woe. In order to keep ourselves from that woe, the churches today, the leadership, um, we need to stick to what the head of the church deems necessary for the church. And the head of the church has a name. His name is Jesus. And we're to be good stewards. You know, we're the, the church is the bride of Christ. We're to be good stewards with what God has given to us. And when you think about what he's given to us, he really hasn't given it to us. He's lent it to us. Our children, they're lent to you. I know you like to give them back sometimes, but they're they're lent to you. <laughs> and they're lent to you in a, so that you'll take care of them and raise them for him. One day, because we have all eternity to look to, right? One, one day we have all eternity. I mean, it's not a, there's not a time, a clock in heaven where we're going to say, oh, it's bedtime. It's, you know, look, we have this thing to where all of what we have is belongs to him. And, and this is why what was so important to the kings to understand and any leaders and church leaders today. It doesn't matter what position they hold that they're to understand that it all belongs to the Lord. And so as leaders in the church today, like we're, we're to tend to the needs, children included, we're to tend to their needs, but we're to tend to their, you know, just to feed them and tend to their needs, but we're to be faithful. Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, uh, speaking of stewardship, he said, moreover, it is required in stewardship that one is found faithful. And that's what we're doing. We're stewards of what God, what belongs to God. We're just stewards. We're the people that God says, look, I'm going to put you in this position. It's like these kings, and you're to do things according to my word. And I don't want you to go to the left or the right. I want you to stick right next to it and be faithful in these things. 
But unfortunately, the stewardship of the kings, as well as the religious leaders, they weren't, they weren't faithful. They were people that were living according to their own dreams, their own hearts, of the, their own passions, and things like that. And they were in it for themselves. And this is why the Lord begins here with this woe. Woe to these shepherds. Look at verse 1 as we pick it up. Woe to the shepherds. And again, the kings. But it speaks to us all today, you know, as well. The, the, the application is there. Anyone ever wanting to be in the ministry needs to listen. Anybody that wants to be a part of the ministry or being, man, I just, I feel called to serve God. Well, they need to listen and take note of this. Because when God says, whoa, he's bringing it like the gavel from heaven. and He's hitting the, the desk, if you will. He's going to bring his final decision upon something. And in this, whoa, his decision is that their term is limited. It's ending. What you're doing is not right, the Lord says, and, and you know, you're going to be done with it. He's going to address this. So he says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. You see, with their authority, the leaders led these people away from the Lord and said it to them. They had the authority. They had the power. They had the pulpit. They had the, the voice. But they weren't, they weren't being dedicated to the things of God. And it's so important. Back then, as the, as the leadership goes, so goes the nation. As the leadership goes, the men go in the church, so goes the church. We have to be, you know, strong men that are going to be, and it doesn't matter if you say, well, good thing I'm not called to ministry. No, you are. No matter what, who you are, what, you know, how long you've been walking to the Lord, the minute you cross that threshold of coming to Jesus, you were put into ministry. You became a priest of your home. You became, and, and you're to live that in that manner, you know. And so God desired these shepherd kings, if you will, even these civil leaders that were um, called, they were called to take care of the people of God. They're, look, they're not just to rule again by this gavel, by this power and authority, but they're to have a heart. And in order for their heart to be maintained, God would tell them to, to take the uh, word, I want you to take the uh, copy of the word and write it down, so that you might live up to it. You remember going on a chalkboard in a school and said, I will not talk, I will not talk again, I will not. And you wrote, I, 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 250 times, and then, will, will, and then, knock, 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 You wrote those things out. By the time you're done with this, I'm not talking again, man. I'm done with this stuff. Well, the Lord would have the kings write out a, a copy of the word. And uh, so that they might live up to it. They might remi- remember, just remember, it doesn't belong to you. How important it is for us to remember that we don't belong to really one another as much as we do. You know, I think in marriage and families. But really we belong to the Lord. We're his creation. And that's to put it in a proper perspective. And so any king needed to know that they were to trust in the Lord and not in their own armies. And you and I, that's why the word is so important. We're to trust in God and not in, not in our own wealth or our own anything or, or anything else. We're to trust in the Lord. So the kings were told to write out a copy of the word. Let me read you what Deuteronomy 17 says. Beginning in verse 14, he says, When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving to you and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all other nations that are around me. And the Lord knew what they were going to call out for, right? He says in verse 15, You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren. So it had to be uh, one from their brethren. And you shall set as king over you, and you may not be a foreigner over you, you may not set a foreigner over you, uh, who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. See, the Lord didn't want him to trust in the things of the world. Egypt is a picture of the world. They came out of that world. And he's saying that, you know what, uh, I don't want you to go that way again. Neither shall, verse 17, he supply wives for himself, lest his heart uh, turn away, or m- multiply wives for himself, um, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Solomon was a great example of that. What have got him into trouble? All these wives. He's hard to please one wife. Why do you want 100, 700 of them? I'm just kidding. But it is. I mean, you know, you, you just don't want to go after 700. Can you imagine that? 700 anniversaries. It's only 365 days a year. You got 700 of these. Uh, forget about it. Verse 18, it says, 
And it shall be when he, any king that is ready to take the throne, right, sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in the book, in a book, for the one, or excuse me, from the one before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to, listen, fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words that are in the law and the statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. I mean, this is what it's like, right? This is a mindset you're to have. Once you understand king, whoever your king is, Jehoiachin, Jehoiakim, uh, Zedekiah, you know, Josiah, Josiah figured it out. But you're to have this heart that would have a heart after God. You're, you're ruling, not your people, but my people. And we'll see that in just a minute. But the same thing is for you and I today and the leaders in the church. We're to have that same attitude. Understand who the sheep belong to. Understand that when you have, you know, even squabbles with one another, who does that person belong to? Or husband and wife, who does that person, who, who does that person belong to? Say, well, they belong to me. I have the wedding ring which is equivalent to suffering, but I'm just kidding. But you have, you, you belong to one another, but you ultimately belong to the Lord. God created that person. Take care of them. And so the church isn't mine. It's not the leaders. It's not the congregation for the popular vote. It has a head. And the head, his name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who died for the church. And so he's given us and instructed us in his word how we're to react, how we're to act, I should say, and how we're to live our lives and taking care of Laying down our lives, not just for the pastor, I think for each one of us. Laying light, laying down our lives for, for one another. First Peter chapter 5 says this, and Peter writes this in his letter. He says, the elders who are among you, and he's talking about the leadership, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, he told them, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willing, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief priest appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So the whole idea is that people, leaders, Old Testament, doesn't matter, New Testament, you have to have the word of God in you so that it is conforming you into the image, that you're not thinking that you're higher and mightier than anything or anybody else. It's about God. And the emphasis needs to stay about God. It needs to remain about Jesus Christ. And so the leaders here that Jeremiah, is, he's been addressing, they've been neglected to do what God has given to them. See, listen, no word, you get off track. If you don't have the word of God, you're going to get off track and you're going to start doing whatever the population wants or the popular vote wants, or you're going to be influenced by something else. In verse two, he says, therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, I wouldn't want to be standing next to these guys. He says, you have scattered my flock, driven them away and not attended. And that means taken care. You have not attended to them. You're not taking care of these Behold, I will attend, or I will take care to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. And so for these leaders, it was important for them to do the right thing, and they weren't doing that. And, and, and this is what God really wants to know. They said these guys were dealing wrongfully with God's people. I mean, if you don't have any direction, what do you do? And the direction is here in the Bible. The direction was for them to always trust the Lord. Oh, but the armies are coming. Trust the Lord. Well, there's a, we have a famine in the land. Trust the Lord. You know, the Lord might tell them why there's a famine or why the armies, or is this chastening, or is it just, you know, there's just this thing. You've got to trust the Lord. Having faith. Faith is a big part of it. And so the leaders today, the same way, we're just to trust the Lord. The leaders yesterday, the leaders, you know, and the, and the kings, they were to lead as people, but they were leading them instead of honestly, they were leading them dishonestly. And they were going to be held responsible for their actions. And so listen to this indictment in verse 3. He says, But I will gather the remnant of my flock 
out of all the countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So from verses 1 through 3 here, the Lord is very specific, letting these people know that you've been unfaithful to taking care of what I've asked you to take care of. I mean, he's letting you know it's crystal clear. But then again, he says, and if you notice this, he says, very clear to say this, my flock, my pasture, my people. Again, he's pointing out to them, look at what I've given to you to take care of doesn't even belong to you. You are to be stewards. You haven't done a very good job. And so they're going to have to answer to the Lord. Everything belonged to him. The leaders, they were to be wise on how they, you know, took care of the people, but they disregarded God's word. And when they disregarded God's word, this is what happened is they take things into their own hands. And again, it's not the wants of the people, it's the needs. They were to attend to their needs. And because they neglected it, the Lord said, time and time again, he says, I will. Just because you have neglected it, it wasn't that they missed the point or they forgot about it. Oh man, my bad. No, it had nothing to do with that. It was that they just put down the word of God. They never picked it up. And they began to go with the desires of their own hearts. And when we do that, we're you know, we're driving down crazy lane. They wanted to do things according to their own ways and the, and the dictates of their own hearts. And this is what got them into trouble. So God is going to be the one. And he says, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. So I'm going to be the one to gather my people Israel. And I'll bring the remnant of the people who were dispersed when they get taken back to captivity uh, by the Babylonians, I'm going to be the one to deliver them. And then verse 3 reminds us, look at what he says. He says, I have, where I have driven them. This is the Lord's doing. The Lord is behind all of this because of the fact that not only were the leaders disobeying, but the people didn't want to stand up for what was right. And they ought to know better. They, they should know better. If God's word wasn't being, you know, they, they weren't going in the direction of the Lord. They had the Bible for themselves or the, you know, they had the Old Testament for themselves and letters being written as we speak, you know. And they had the prophet Jeremiah who would come out and he would say, hey, you guys better turn from your ways. But nobody was, nobody was listening. They weren't listening. I mean, there's a lot of people that were just turning away, turning away. And Jeremiah, after weeks after weeks, we're in chapter 23 here, We've been hearing this time and time again, and it has been, remember up to chapter 20, from uh, chapter 20 to chapter 21, there was a 20-year gap. So Jeremiah has been constantly telling them, hey, you better turn, you better get right, here's your chance. And then finally the Lord was saying, I'm done with this. I'm not going to you know, give them this chance anymore. I'm not going to call them to repentance. It's, it's time. Their indictment is upon them. And so listen, even though the Lord is in control, we're to be faithful. You know, we might just say, well, the God's God, I don't have to do anything about it. I don't have to lift a finger. No. We're still to be about God's business. We're to be his servants. We're to be his conduits that he works through, he runs through. We're to be the ones that, uh, that get the work done, get his will done, accomplish his will here on earth. He's, we're, the, we're the instruments that he uses. And the Lord would see to it that he would raise up shepherds, to take care of his people. So important. If you're not going to do it, somebody else will. I'll, get, I'll make sure that, says the Lord. And the shepherds, the leaders, this is kind of, this is the thing, the whole backbone behind Calvary Chapel, we teach in the uh, leadership class or as a pastor, somebody wants to go out and start a church. Listen, it's leading by example. It's the, the time to where you're not just up here at a pulpit, you're teaching the word but you're to be an example. You're to be one who is exampling the work. It's servant leader, servant servant pastor, uh, is what it's called. So a lot of you know, it's, uh, you you know you don't need. Here's the thing: you don't need necessarily need a degree, though the degree is good. And I and I wish I had more. Wish I had one. Wish I had. You know, I, I would love them. But here's the thing: you got to have the heart, right? If you don't have the heart, you have all knowledge. Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You got to have that heart and that calling that God is just saying, here, let's do this. And then you better lead by example. So verse four tells us that these bad leaders, that he will raise up leaders over his people who will feed them. Look, I, I, there's going to be people coming out that are going to feed 
my sheep. They're going to take care of him. And as the Lord tells him in verse 3 that he will gather his people back, we've come to see, see this, not only after the 70 years of being in captivity, but also in, the, uh, in 1948, so incredible that this nation would come together uh, just as the Lord has promised and, and from nowhere. And I, I was just thinking about that today. I was thinking how exciting it is in November when we go back over there. And I'm, all, I'm, I'm also so excited that I didn't go in February because I was watching the pictures of the team that we were supposed to go with. And it was raining and it was cold. And I said, I remember that. <laughs> so in November, it's a little better weather over there, believe it or not. I'm like, yes. But 1948, incredible. How people and Jews are coming back to their nation, coming back to the land is still happening today. And, and you know, just to, to, to where God had called them. And then in verse 5, he says this. He says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise a branch uh, 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 to David, a branch of righteousness, a king. And it's not referring to kings, but a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. So it's not just Israel. This is a king who will come and he's going to have, he's going to uh, execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. And in, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. At this time, they're separated. The time of Jeremiah 23. Uh, now this is his name by which he was called the Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. This is his name. See, the branch of David through Jehoiachin had been cut off. But God had promised that he was going to raise up another seed, uh, another king uh, raise up to David, uh, another king who would be a, a righteous branch, that is another member of the Davidic line. And Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this, of this prophecy. And the Lord, you think about the Lord when he says here, the Lord our righteous. The Lord has many names associated with his character. And I love it because you think of the Lord El Shaddai, right? The Lord God Almighty, or El Elyon, which is the, the, the Most High God, or Adonai, Lord, Master. There are so many of them. And here he's called the Lord our righteous. The Lord our righteousness. And that's incredible because in every one of these names, he, he, he dispenses this here. And I believe he's put this here because the people needed to know that there was nobody governing by this righteousness. There's nobody having righteousness in the land. Nobody's being faithful in the land. And so he says his name is going to be called, uh, shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Again, the people didn't have leaders living up, demonstrating their righteousness to the people. They were all corrupt. And so the Lord says, I'm going to do something about it. And he's, I'm going to send a king. And this king is going to be, he, he's going to demonstrate his righteousness to the people. And he wants to be everything to his people. I think about you and I today. It's the same thing. Sometimes we call upon him to be uh, Adonai. Sometimes we call upon him to be Yahweh, or we call upon him to be El Shaddai, or we call upon him to be Jehovah Rapha, or we call upon him to be, you know, uh, uh, Elohim, whatever, all these, I need that provision, I need that healer, I need that, you know, Lord, this is when we're calling upon him because he is the only one sufficient for all these things. And you think about the healer or the provider and I've been, I think I've made mention of this quite some times in the last maybe couple of months, but he just doesn't want us to be savior, though that's great. We all need a savior, right? We all need to be saved for our sins. But he, when we come to him, he has all these other characteristics. This is who he is. I'm, I'm not feeling too well. I've come down. I got a note from the doctor. I'm not doing well. Well, he can be that healer. You know, he, he can be the the one that brings peace or the one that, you know, Jehovah Jireh, his provision or Jehovah Shabbat, the Lord of hosts or whatever it is, whatever we need him to be. He can be that because he is that. And here again, just mentioning that now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. He wants to be everything to his people. He wants to be everything to you and everything to I, healer, provider, shepherd, everything, so forth. And though Jesus offered himself as Israel's Messiah, the first time he came in the final fulfillment of the prophecy, 
still awaits his second advent because he'll be immediately known during his uh, the millennial reign. And then in verse 7, the promise of the restoration, he says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as for the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from the countries where I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. And so what a great deliverance it was when Israel came out, the Hebrews came out of Egypt. But he says there's going to be something that's so radical that will not pay, that'll pale in comparison. They're not even going to think about being pulled out of Egypt anymore. And they're not going to think about that day because what I'm going to do is going to be, I'm going to restore Israel once and for all. Incredible. And so listen to the heart then as Jeremiah finishes talking to these kings, these shepherds, and he begins to talk to the prophets, these false prophets, and he can hear the pain in his heart. The, the, these false prophets are just brought upon him. You know, maybe a lot of people don't think about um, false teachers, teachers that are, I'm not thinking, I'm talking false teachers that are obviously false, so contradict the grace of God and the Bible in itself. People may not think about that, but a, a true shepherd, I think in my heart sometimes I grieve over it. I grieve over the fact that there are so many false teachers, and you know why? Is because they have people sitting in the congregations and they're being led, they're being led astray. And it breaks my heart to see that. I don't know about you guys, but it, it's just what it is for me. Jeremiah is like this. He has this pain that comes because of these false prophets. In verse 9, he says, my heart, again, the heart of the prophet, my heart within me is broken. I mean, he looks out at the audience and he's just saying, you know, nobody's listening out there. He's been preaching this, the message of God, been faithful to the word of God, and nobody's listening. I mean, when you, when you have to, when you go to people and you, you know, tell them, you know, hey man, look at this, is what God's word says, or they, you know, a lot of times they may come to you and you say, hey, what do you think? What do you think I should do in this situation? You show them what they say and they go, ah, whatever. Man, you're like, come on, what are you doing? I mean, it's not the way it should be. It's like, no, 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 you got to listen. And, and again, this is, it grieves his heart. He says, my heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man and like a man whom wine is overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words. It pains him. Not, not just to hear what God is telling him to say. I mean, I have no problem giving the word of God out. But then here it is that he's giving the word of God out and nobody's listening. It's like, hey, shake it up, wake it up. The Titanic's going down. And they're like, well, I want one more game of shuffleboard. Why can't we just play one more game? I want one more game. He's like, come on. Nobody's listening. And whatever somebody is doing, they're going, they're, you know, they're not going to get away with it. But he's just, man, it just breaks your heart. I'm not, I know that they're going to pay a price. I know that the false teachers that are leading God's people astray, that they're going to pay a price. But it's still, for me, I look at that. I think Jeremiah's heart here conveys it pretty clearly. I was like, wait a second, wait a second. There's people still involved. And there's people that are eating this stuff up. You see, it's his holy word. He's given us his word. He's preserved his word. The power's in his word. We have the right to know him in his word. We have, you know, his word shines light upon our path that we walk, you know, daily to you know, it shows us where we might be getting into trouble or what might cause us to stumble. It don't go there. His word is everything to us. It should be everything to us. And how important it is, you know, to, to have his word. Amen? I, I mean, I, lo I, I love it that we have his word. And I love it that it's so simple that um, I get to teach it cover to cover. I get to teach it. And, and, you know, this Sunday, it's like one of those things you're like, what? What did I walk into? But you're, we're just teaching it. You know, you're just teaching the word as it is. In verse 10, he says, For the land is full of adulterers, sexual and religious sin. They were, they were just living it up. For because of a curse, the land mourns. The pleasant places of the wicked are dried up. Their course of life is evil, and their might is not right. And Jeremiah knows. 
He knows what they're going to, you know, have coming to them. He knows that God's going to take care of them, but it still breaks his heart. What are you going to do? I mean, doesn't it break your heart when you see people, you know, I you listen to them and they say, well, this is, uh, you, you should love. And I'll, I'll get into that. Well, you see people, it's sad to see people that have backslide. They backslide. But then to see them walk around as if nothing's going to happen and act there, everything is okay. This is what the people, the prophets are telling them. Everything's going to be cool. You see, Jeremiah was God's spokesman. And he's been faithful to give the word of God out. And the message reflected on the one who sent him. It wasn't about Jeremiah. It was about God. This is the word of the Lord that Jeremiah was supposed to take to him, to the people. And in contrast, all these false prophets were out there who were challenging God's name by saying, peace, peace. Or they were saying, you know what? I have the authority that comes from God and this is the message I'm giving you. And so listen, you got to weigh it out. Because on one church, I'm using a church as an example of today to apply it. So in one church, you have them saying this. In another church, you have them saying this. And I'm not talking about, you know, just some minor differences. I'm talking about major things that are so huge that you'd have to look cross-eyed at to try and make it look like it, it is right. But you have people saying things. You have the false prophet saying one thing and then Jeremiah saying another thing. And the people are to discern now. Now it's up to you. It's up to us. It's up to the people that are saying, you're going, oh, wait a second, what's going on here? So Jeremiah is telling us this, the false guys, you know what people are running to? You know what they're wanting to hear? What's going to bless them the most. So that's what people want. They want their ears tickled. They want to have their, their, you know, just their lives met. They want, they don't want to be, they don't want to be told they have warning. Who wants to be told a warning? They don't want to be told that. And when people speak falsely about the word, they tend to speak with this authority and then the authority people listen without checking out anything for themselves. Remember when Jesus spoke about building your home on the rock, he said the sand on the rock, you, you know, when the storms come, the foundation will be exposed. But he says, he said in, in Matthew chapter seven, he says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. Listen, I never heard anything like this. They said, man, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they've never said anything with this clarity and power, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus had something. It wasn't there for the culture to mull around and pick and choose and see what the culture wanted to make of it. It was like, no, this is the word of God. You want to live by it? If you want to have your house that is going to last through the storms that come to you in life, it better be found on the rock. That's what he said. It wasn't mixing words. But, you know, today it's like, well, I don't, I just want to pick and choose. I want to cherry pick my way through the scriptures. And it's about going to a smorgasbord. And I don't need everything at a smorgasbord. But, you know, so why don't I just cherry pick through the scriptures? Bad thing. See, without God's word being taught accurately, the people are feeding on this false teaching. And then their children are feeding on this false teaching. And they're going to be very disappointed. And their hearts will become like the land, as it says, desolate and empty. Look at verse 11. For both prophets and priests are profane. Yes, in my house, I have found their wickedness, says the Lord. Therefore, they shall be uh, to them like slippery ways in the, in the darkness. They shall be driven on, or they shall be driven on and, and fall in them. For I will bring disaster on them, the year of their punishment, says the Lord. For I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied by, by Baal and caused my people, Israel, to err. I mean, the people that were there should have understood that the false prophets some years prior to them were prophesying lies. But they weren't paying any attention. Remember Paul, and I made reference to this uh, before, Paul wrote to, in Corinthians, I think it's First, first Corinthians 10, he said uh, that these things were written, what Israel had done, as our examples, that we should be warned not to do those things. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it says. You ever tried to walk on a rock that is covered with moss? We know what moss is up here. <laughs> Look at every north side, north-facing tree. It's filled with moss, Right. What about rocks? You ever try to walk on a rock that's mossy? You can't get a, you can't get a grip on it. I was helping a pastor friend of mine baptize in the Lewis River, and I had some boots, some hiking boots on, and the water was about eh, it was not quite waist high, 
but I couldn't get my foot on it. My, you know, I couldn't get a good grip on it. We were baptizing people this way, and I was the guy breaking the water and going around, and my foot slipped and tore my knee up. You just can't get a, get a grip on that stuff. You see, the Lord was saying, you guys are slipping out, you're tripping out, and you're leading my people astray, and it's not right. Look at verse 14. He says, for I have seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. See, God says, I know all. They committed adultery and walk in lies. They also strengthened the hands of evildoers so that no one turn, turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me. It's a sad comparison. And their inhabitants like Gomorrah. You see, over and over again, I think we've made reference to this. God wants, it doesn't matter where they've been, so they've been doing bad. God knew all about that. Even in Sodom, he went and gave the warning to Lot. To Lot, But he, what he wants is those people, anybody that's backslidden away, his desire is to come to him, right? It's to return. Come to the Lord. Don't stay out there. Don't stay out in that sin, but come. I mean, he's gracious. You don't have to jump through hoops. Just come to him. And that's the neat thing of the Lord. So he desires anyone who has slipped back from him to return to him, but because his word is not going out, what are the people going to be attracted to? Again, reference Nehemiah chapter 8. They, they heard why they're coming out of captivity. They heard the word of God and they're just confessing their sin. Wow, this is why we've been, this is what got us into trouble. This is what got us drifting away. We haven't heard the word. We put the word away. We haven't, you know, it hasn't been a part of our lives. But without hearing God's word, then how are people going to turn back to him? I mean, it's just the grace of God. And for people to know that you don't have to work your way back to God, you just come to him. That's the grace of God, is it not? I mean, even in the, even in the church, when you see these things taking place, God's grace is sufficient. He just wants to pour out his grace. And he lavishes us with grace. It's so incredible. And so he says, again, in verse 15, he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood. It's a very bitter food. And make them drink the water of gall. That kind of refers to poison water. <coughs> For from the prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness has gone out into all the land. So it's quite an indictment here. Some of the harshest words ever used to describe somebody at their point of where they're at, that's not good. And whether it was from the prophets of old or the current prophets, it didn't matter. Nobody was listening to the Lord. And because of it, they were speaking lies to the people and they're totally misleading them. And God's saying, listen, you're, you're, we have the, the very thing that can turn people back to God right here. We can't force, look, we have no power within ourselves, but God's word is powerful. And when we give them this word, they're like going, man, that is powerful. You know, we don't have to, I don't have to make a sermon for, However many people come on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, I don't have to make a certain sermon for that. Why? Because I just read the word and we teach the word. And let God's word, it will not return void. Let it go out and do the work that it's intended to do. <clears throat> but you can't neglect it. So quite an indictment. And look at verse 16. Because the rest of this, this chapter, he's going to really hit these false teachings and false prophets. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. <laughs> Don't even listen to them. They make you worthless. <clears throat> they speak a vision of their own hearts, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to, over, and to everyone who walks according to the dictates of their own hearts, they say, no evil shall come upon you. See, that's the problem. God was trying to get a word in edgewise through the prophet Jeremiah, and he was saying, there's a problem here. But the people were saying, nah, it ain't going to happen. And then, so there was the balance again. Who are you going to listen to? The majority of the people or this one guy, Jeremiah, who's heralding the word of God, who's a prophet of God. You see, people don't want to hear that they're going to be chastened, right? No, I mean, nobody wants to hear that they're going to be chastened. Or these people didn't want to hear that they were going to go into captivity. Or that they were going to go through this time, this difficult time. Nobody wants to hear that. They'd much rather hear that everything is okay. So where are you going to go? 
I mean, where's the where's the the, the uh, rose beds at? Because that's what I want. I want to be life to be beautiful, cheery, and all that stuff. You know, if it exists. And this is what the false prophets are telling them. Everything's going to be okay. And God's saying, wait, 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 wait. Wait. You're not listening. You know, you're not listening. You got to listen. The, the false prophets are totally contradicting God, totally contradicting his word. And by telling the people that they shouldn't listen to Jeremiah because he's, well, he's only this doom and gloom. Well, he wasn't doom and gloom. He was telling them to repent. There's no doom and gloom in repentance. It's a joy to repent. What a weight lifted off of us. What a weight lifted off of the people. Repentance is a good thing. The Bible says that we should never, we'll never regret repenting. We'll never regret it. But this is what it is. This, you know, well, don't listen to Jeremiah, you know. <laughs> but these guys were teaching, they were, they were preaching prosperity, peace, peace. Oh no, it's gonna, we're going to prosper. We're going to prosper. This is somewhat common with what we hear today in the prosperity gospel. Because the doctrine of many of the high up in the prosperity gospel is their doctrine is, is uh, prosperity. That's their doctrine. It's not Jesus Christ. And, and you'll even hear them say that. See, when they find themselves going through any kind of um, bad stuff pertaining to maybe being chastening or just bad stuff, they'll blame the devil or they'll rebuke the devil, try and rebuke the devil. Even when they're sick, they, they don't believe it. I'm not sick. I can't get sick. I speak it into existence. I'm like, well, you got that kind of power, pal. Listen, I don't mean to breathe evil on anybody, but I'm just saying that we've got to face it with God's word and be real to God's word. Look at verse 18. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a, whir a violent whirlwind. It shall fall violently on the heads on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. Verse 21, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Listen, these guys just had to get it off of them. They had to get it off of them. There's something that they wanted, power, position. They wanted to be known by man. You know, they wanted this, all this stuff to come prestige. They just wanted everything that came from man, not from God. And listen to what could have, should have happened in verse 22. But if, it says, they had stood in my counsel. Here's one thing. People have a desire to share God's word. And it's got to come through the Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? Remember Paul said, I don't. I give to you that which I first received from the Lord. I sit in my office and I'm thinking, my, you know, Lord, what do you have for me in this stuff? And time after time today, it's like, you stay true to that word, pal. You stay true, just like Joshua. You don't turn to the right or the left. I mean, that's what I want to do. I would just stay true to it. See, if they would have stood in my counsel, and have caused my people to hear my word, then they would have turned and they would uh, turn from their evil ways and from their evil ways, uh, the, the evil of their doing. This is what could have happened. If we stick to the code, people get changed. If we stick to the Bible, people hear the Bible. The Bible has, uh, you know, the, it's the sharpening of a two-edged sword. It's able to pierce even between the bone and the marrow. It has a way of cutting in. And so precisely, <coughs> excuse me, not only that it exposes sin, it eradicates, then we repent of it, and he seals us back up, and he says, I'll go back to work. It's so cool. I mean, I, but, but they didn't do that. They didn't do that. If they would have stood in my counsel, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, what is it? The re very reason that God says to say true to his word is because when people hear it, it and only it has the power to save and turn and, and turn back sinner, backsliders back into himself. God's word. It's it's incredible. Just because our nation, you know, we have our nation and we have churches, you know, all over the place, and our nation looks at the churches and they have um, everyone is a nonprofit. Most of them are nonprofit, P R O P H E T instead of P R O F I T, but. Uh, <laughs> 
they have this, they're, they're, they're not, they have this government approval of being a church. Kajing. But heaven, the higher court is heaven. And the higher court is heaven that looked upon us. And, I, and, it, and it cringes me. I share with our leadership, look, and I don't care necessarily how we feel a service went, although I, I like to know that people are blessed and minister to. But at the end of the day, at the end of the service, I'm really concerned with what the Trinity felt. I'm really concerned with how did we do to bless God? How did we honor God? How are we going about, you know, his business? It's not about us. And people today, they're no different. Just like the people of Judah here. Many don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They would rather be left alone. And when you tell them something, especially if it has to do with being truthful, they don't want to hear it, and they call you a hater. And let's say you're trying to send them a life preserver, but they don't want to hear that. No, no, I don't want that. And imagine being a hater for speaking the truth. You're speaking the truth. And imagine being a hater for pulling a fire alarm when somebody's lives are in danger. And why did you pull that? Well, there's a fire, a building's on fire. You should not pull that. And they argue until the place burns down. Or I wonder if anybody would be offended if you called a police or a medic in their time of need. Actually, that has happened. <laughs> Unfortunately. But I mean, look, it's like, for real? But this is the way we're getting, no doubt, like this day, if you would have stood in my council. When you, gotta, when you have to share it with somebody, set in the counsel of God, say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to bring this about? Clear my heart. Clear my heart, Lord. I don't want to be in this at all. Verse 23, it says, Am I a God near hand, says the Lord, and not a God far, far off? Afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not... See him, says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? And the point is here is that they're displaying such foolishness. It's foolishness, you know. They're not, they're not trusting the Lord. It's like, where are you going to go? We're going to hide from God. And God, who is omniscient, it's all-knowing, clearly saw what was taking place in their lives, and he's fully aware of their actions. And he's going to take care of it. What am I? It's like you're going to pull the wool over God. Now you heard the saying that you can uh, lie to men most of the time, but you can never lie to God. I mean, he's the one. You know, you can make, make yourself look good in front of people, but not in front of God. And, and their lies continue in verse 25. It says, And I have heard what the prophet has said, who prophesied lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. But God has, you know, God has spoken, God has spoken. We've got to listen to him. How long will this be in the hearts, in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the de- uh, of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. And let me say this again: It was the Lord who created them, the Lord who delivered them, it was the Lord who wanted to make them shine his light upon them, you know, and walk in this dark world. But they rejected him to follow other gods. You fill in the blank. They're following other gods. They weren't following God. They used to come back to him every time in need. Last week we saw that uh, the king would say, well, Jeremiah, just have God deliver us like he's always done before with his graciousness. Just have him deliver us one more time. It's like, what is he, a genie in a bottle? He's like a fortune cookie. I need a, I need a blessing today. But here are these prophets, or these false prophets, I should say, these false teachers. They only wanted their agenda to be fulfilled. They were, they were ruling, again, from the dictates of their own hearts. They weren't ruling by God's word. They weren't, you know, again, they wanted to prosper. They wanted power. They wanted position. That's all they wanted. They were in it for themselves. And because they rejected um, the word of the Lord that God says, you know what? I got something for you. You're lying. This is lying and I don't appreciate it. Somebody said, once men forget the character of God, they can be persuaded to accept all kinds of doctrines. Look at verse 28. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. 
What is a shaft to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? You know, look at drawing that contrast again. What are you going to eat? What are you, you going to eat? The bologna? <laughs> when you got steak, what are you going to eat there? And this bologna was killer. Not killer good. But it was God's word that is faithful. And they had been neglecting it. His word was like a fire. It burns in our hearts. You, you know, you read the word of God. It has, this, it has this way about it. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that exposes these things in our lives. Just, just the, our motives, you know, that we don't normally see or may not be there. And we're reading his word and we're spending time with him. And he goes, you know, I want to deal with this. I was just telling our leadership about something that God just really convicted me on uh, last week, last Friday. Just convicted me on this. I go, that's the word of God. It's, that's what it has the power to do. And man, it's just, that's the Lord. But we want to be sensitive to that. We don't want to be, you know, relying on, on shaft. What is the shaft to the wheat? When you get out wheat, what is the shaft? And you have, you have the, the word of God. It's like this hammer. It's able to break the heart and heart into pieces. Man, it, it's not going to return void. That's why we need to remain pliable. Look at verse 30. It says, therefore behold... I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongue and who use their tongues and say, He says, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tells them and causes my people to err by their lies and, and by their wickedness. Yet I did not send them or, or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. It didn't matter if they had the biggest synagogue, the, the greatest colors, the most beautiful buildings, the newest, fanciest uh, items in there. It didn't matter. They didn't have God's blessing. These prophets weren't operating by the word of the Lord or by the will of God. They were far from him. Listen, I share this with you as pastors today, as leaders. We should be giving God's sheep the full counsel of God's word. It's going to minister and bless the unsaved around us as well if we're going to be faithful to the word of God. You know, it's difficult at times trying to, not, not trying to break it out, but you get an audience, especially on a Sunday morning and you're, you know, teaching Romans 1 or you're teaching a message like we'll see on Sunday. It's just like, um, you know, you, you go through these things because it's the full council. But what does it do? It matures the body. It matures the people. They look at it and they go, I, I've never heard that. Yeah, I remember going through 1 Corinthians 11, the head covering chapter. I remember when we were sitting out here, I said, hey, by the way, how many of you ever heard a sermon on, on uh, the head covering, you know, the, this chapter we're about to get into, and about five or six hands go up, you know, <laughs> probably the five or six people that were here in 2005 when we taught that last. I'm just kidding. But you know what? It's, it's what it is. The full counsel is so necessary. The word of God is, we, we need to stick to God's word. We're going to get, the people are going to grow. Healthy sheep are going to get healthy sheep. And we're going to understand that it's, uh, uh, it's his love, it's his grace, it's his mercy, and all these things. We'll get to know him better. And when we do this, when we stick to the word, then we, we, we live properly. But we also, we're, we're getting uh, leaders because we're voting biblically. We're not voting because our pocketbooks. We're voting with our Bible book. We're just living better. We're living just all around better where people are taking recognition and saying, you know what? There's something different in those people. Why are they? Oh, they're just Bible thumpers or they're whatever you want to call them. I'm cool with that. But I thump my own heart. I don't thump anybody else. I let them know the truth. Lord, what is it? Let's have the word of God. And, and so we know about this, the same sex marriage because God's word tells us in it. We don't, I mean, it's already been settled in the courts of heaven. We don't have to worry about anything else. You know, abortion, all these things. Plus, we, you know, all these things we know how to live our lives by. And then let's close with this in verse 33. For when these people or the prophets or the priests ask you, saying, What is the oracle of the Lord? You shall say to them, What oracle? <laughs> I will even forsake you, says the Lord. And as for the prophet and the priests and the people who say the oracles of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. Thus every one of you shall say to his neighbor and every one to his brother, what has the Lord answered? 
and what has the Lord spoken? And the oracle of the Lord, you shall mention no more. And nobody's been listening anyway. But he says, for every man's word will be his oracle. For you have perverted the words of the living God, the, the Lord of hosts, our God. And thus you shall say to the prophet, what has the Lord answered you? And what has the Lord spoken? But since you say the oracles of the Lord, therefore thus says the Lord, because you say this word, the oracle of the Lord, and I have sent to you saying, do not say the oracle of the Lord. God is telling them exactly what, what they're doing. And here comes the end result of their lies. Because you've been doing all this, therefore, behold, I, even I will utterly forget you and forsake you in the city that I gave to you and your fathers. I will cast out of my presence and I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame which shall not be forgotten. Dang. Right? Because you have, all you're doing is saying all these things. You know, listen, you can have a church, you open, a, open up the door, look at all the people and, and you think, wow, okay, that's a church. In the eyes of man, in the 501c3. But we have to be doing the will of God. We have to, I mean, I think of teaching and what is a pastor's responsibility. It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's to deliver the full counsel. It's to be faithful to the word of God. Be faithful to these things. The leadership. Seeking God out on how they're going to. What God, what do you want? This is your Churches, your people, they're coming. You know, you put this thing together, it's going to be on you because I don't have anything planned and I don't know what to do, but it's going to be on you. So we got to figure out, God, what is it, what is it that you want from us? And so the Lord tells Jeremiah to tell them that they're the problem. You're, you know, you guys are the problem. I've been telling you that for a long time, and especially when they've been asked, hey, what is your call the Lord, Jeremiah? What's you say now, huh? It's like you're ridiculing him. What's the thing? You're ribbing him. And the burden that the prophet was to carry or had to carry was the message. The message that was laid on his heart by God. And, and uh, there was often the message of one of judgment, one of repentance. They hadn't been listening to it. And Jeremiah had been faithful to deliver the word of the people, but nobody had been listening. Sad times. And it's so much like today. They want a word. They want to, they're hoping to hear something that they would uh, like that would benefit them. Instead of something that God has already spoken very clearly about in his word. We're to live by his word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And God's spoken so much to us already. And so by doing this, by, by going after things that we want to hear, we go after these things of wanting his approval on things of life. You know, like, I just want your approval. And, and instead of knowing what's best, he knows what's best but going after what he wants for our lives. That's the way things should be. May we find ourselves hungering for his word. May we find ourselves having our hearts softened before him, that he can mold us into his image instead of, uh, you know, like so many that might take God's word, they might think, well, God's word needs to be updated. You know, I've heard this before. God's word needs to be updated. You think, why? Because it doesn't fit the culture. I said, amen. So let the culture change to God's word, not God's word to the culture. God's word is, is stand fast. It's going to be there. It's going to do the same. It's like, listen, we don't need to fit the culture or change God's word to fit us. We need to fit ourselves in God's word. It's a lot of baloney out there. And you and I today need to stick to the word, even if it hurts. Just apply it with love. And then when we go to people and we're sharing with them, just apply it with love. Be faithful to speak the truth in love. God's word isn't going to return void. Look, at it. if people are saved, they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to listen to it. They're going to grab onto it. They're going to say, you know what? This is what I want. This is what I need. And they need to be faithful. I need to be faithful. Yes, Lord, that's what I want. But if they're not saved, they're probably going to walk off. Ah, that's not the word of the Lord. I'm not going to hear it. And they'll go find some false prophet or some... You know, somebody else doing something else somewhere else. Just God may change us. In the days that we live in, I think of the days of Jeremiah. Not many people are listening to the truth and not many people want to hear the truth. But may you and I remain faithful to God and to his word. Let's bow and pray. 
Father, we come to you thanking you We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.